I used to always get travel sickness as a kid and it never made sense why the hell that takes place. I kind of, I read in a book the other day um, why, why it happens, which is super interesting, which is obviously when you're in a car and you kind of, you normally get sick. I used to get sick when I looked down, right? But you're still moving and, but your, your eyes are sending different information to your ears. And apparently that discordance between what your eyes are saying, what your, your, your other senses are saying was a, is understood by our bodies as it's being poisoned. So apparently because poison disassociates your senses from one another, it creates this confusion and then your body thinks it's been poisoned so it kind of throws up and stuff like that to get rid of the poison. It's like that makes perfect sense. Like it makes perfect sense when you think about and understand our brain and our mind or whatever as this pre-wired kind of system that has these inbuilt safety mechanisms and defenses, right? It doesn't make sense when you think about it logically because at the end of the day, you are in a car, right? You're safe, you're not being poisoned and you know that, but the deeper mechanics of you don't know that, right? So this is obviously, so welcome back again, obviously, um, to the With Joe EB podcast. Welcome back to the show. And uh, today, big one, right? Your thoughts don't come from you. Okay, weird idea, right? Wacky, very deep. Where are you going with this, Joe? Have you completely lost it? Maybe I have. You can be the judge. And I, I guess to anchor this to something you may be a bit more kind of on board with, uh, we can go back to Astro the Dog, which was episodes 11 to uh, 13. I think we did three parts on that, dedicated to it. And it's one, obviously, the base principles. Um, there's blog on it as well if you want to catch up. Basically, Astro the Dog is the dog that runs our brain. Run Like it's the metaphor I use to understand, like, you know, 90% of your brain is really controlled by something that resembles a dog. It has a very simple understanding of the world. It can't handle complex ideas. It's very reactive and impulsive. It errs on the side of caution because it's been shaped by evolution uh, to react with fear to protect you at the slightest sign of danger because it was used to being around saber-toothed tigers and snakes and stuff, not around opportunities and careers and stuff like that. has no idea about that stuff. Dogs don't speak English, and that's how I got to. That's how we got to Astro the dog. So you've got this little voice in the front of your brain, right, that understands things, literally in your prefrontal cortex. But the majority of your brain's been shaped by a much older time, hasn't been updated. So we've talked about heaps of that so far. But now that you're back up to speed, you kind of understand this framework. But the problem this gives us is that it kind of uh, questions the idea we have of who's in control. And what actually constitutes us? Because you look at yourself as this agent, right? Who's out in the world, who's completely autonomous, who's navigating the game, trying to win certain things in life, trying to achieve, trying to yield certain rewards and all this stuff. But it's a super, super complicated picture to actually understand that thing you think of as you, how accurate are you at even understanding what you are and what part of you you are? Like, what's your shareholding of the business that is you. So for Joe, like what percentage of the thing that's talking right now is actually me? And what's it shaped by and what are its parts? I guess another example I'm gonna to go to, so we talk about motion sickness, so to stick with um, the whole vehicle and travel concept, let's talk about road rage, right? Perfect example. Road rage does not make sense, okay? In context, we react very aggressively, someone cuts you off, or 
crashes into you, but normally, you know, traffic and not, no one can really do much about traffic. It's kind of inevitable and you blow up and you're angry and it's a real intense emotional experience and you feel real anger and you really threaten people in a way that you wouldn't do if you weren't in the confines of a car. And you react with such intensity that it's almost like the matter is a life of, or death. And emotionally, you feel it in that moment like it is a life or death thing. Road rage is crazy. But road rage makes perfect sense with an evolutionary kind of historical hat on. When you look at that whole Astro the dog concept, right? So the thing about Astro the dog, it's like imagine taking a guard dog that's used to protecting whatever might be on a farm or a house or protecting that person and then taking them to a relaxed neighborhood where now there's people coming through all the time and that dog is used to encoding you know things in the environment noise as a sign of fear and barks up barks up aggressively at the pitter patter of a squirrel but it reacts as if it was a lion and that's basically what astro the dog in our brain does so we react in a road rage situation like we were facing a real massive conflict, I guess the same way we would have in a tribal community. And we haven't updated our hardware. So it's firing the wrong signals kind of a lot of the time because it's primed. And so the key idea behind Astro the dog is that Astro doesn't speak English. And it's a big problem. Um, because we can't just know something, but know it. <laughs> We can't know something and embody it with every layer of our thinking and our subconscious. It's a, it's a baffling concept, but everyone knows it to be true. It's not new information to you, but you're probably appreciating it more deeply in this conversation. So what happens in road rage? Right? And how can we break that down? And I guess what happens in road rage is now when I get, I'd, I'm not immune to road rage now. Someone will cut me off. Or just driving here today, someone was on the freeway driving right up my ass and necessarily close because they want to overtake me, but I couldn't get out of their way. And it was making me angry. It's like, why is this person really doing this? But instead of waving my fist, honking my horn, throwing up the finger, all that stuff, I just learned, nah, perspective. It's not the end of the world. They can't hurt me just being behind me. As soon as I can get out of their way, I'll get out of their way. They can keep going. Now, what is not what I've not been able to change in that situation is the signal coming down, the anger is a reaction the same way if i clicked like that right in front of your face you would blink even though you know that joe's not going to harm you even if i told you i was going to do it beforehand you can't change the reaction in the same way in the road rage and any reaction uh, any situation where we react emotionally you can't actually change that base wiring like at the at the well the flick uh, the click of a finger <laughs> or the flick of a switch yeah you can't <laughs> You don't have that level of control. And so what this teaches us is that, you know, you're not really your thoughts. So it's a bit weird <laughs> to say. It's, it feels weird saying it. It feels very mumbo-jumbo. And it's a bit scary if it's true. But it's also liberating because if you're like me, you've had some pretty sick, weird thoughts. All right, and I'm not, I'm not even open that door. Some doors are meant to stay closed. I'm not going to open that door today. But you know what I'm, the sort of things you think about. You may, we're all the same. We all have dark thoughts and we get really anxious. Like, oh my gosh, I can't, we judge the thoughts. I can't believe I'm thinking that way. And what, I guess the dynamic that really happens if you observe it is thoughts are kind of get suggested to us. 
thoughts kind of get threaded down and and suggested and then it depends on how good our filter the prefrontal part of us depends how good that filter really is um super interesting right and then you unpack so you go further because you, you you and i kind of think when i kind of learned this i was like no i'm you know i always thought of myself being really mainly in control of my thoughts we actually have very little control over over the, the sparking of the thought and if you go deeper, it's like a lot of those thoughts are actually really fed from feelings. I'm not sure if it's the case that all thoughts are thread from feelings, but a lot of them are fed from uh, thread down through feelings. All right, the road rage reacting with anger sharply, which sends the thought, this guy's a dickhead, I'm going to honk, I'm going to do this. So we certainly know that we don't have much control over our feelings because our feelings are very subject to what other people do around us. So it's infinitely complex. So if we're <laughs> can't control our feelings, then it holds that we can't actually control many of our thoughts, which means we're not so much that CEO that sends the orders down for the company company to implement, right? And even though there is, we think of ourselves as in that little thinking part of the brain, like right now, I very much label Joe the person speaking right now. I'm not conscious of anything else going on. There's nothing making me upset right now, threatening me. So it feels like it's just my voice talking. Then you can break apart where that voice comes from. Why am I talking about these ideas, right? I mainly read the, the body of this idea. I mainly read in a book called Why Buddhism is True and it resonated with, with what I'd kind of noticed about myself. So what part of it is me and what part of it is not me? Where does that line stop and start and begin? Because even the book I read, that would have been influenced by other works and experiences which involved other people. It's kind of like what I say, a book. A book normally has one author's name on the front when really it should probably have like 500, if not if not thousands or infinite names. Because when you think about all the little pieces that come together from different people to make that book and then it gets published. So fascinating idea and it begs the question, which is what you can reflect on today. If we're not really the full voice in our brain, if we're not controlling our feelings and certainly not controlling much of our thoughts, then how much control do we have of ourselves? Who are we? And where are we inside this thing? Inside this flesh and bone brain thing? It's a little bit scary. But I'm going to alleviate some of that fear tomorrow. We don't have time today, so I'm going to draw a line here. Uh, but just remember, if you want more, you can head. There is a blog post for this episode. Um, you know, you are not you. Um, and uh, yeah, website www.withjoeweeby.com forward slash blog for the blog or podcast for the podcast. Uh, yeah, you can sign up for email there if you need to get more of this. We've been talking about this theme for a couple of episodes, deep deep diving into who we are and where we are in, in the body, uh, sorry, in our, in our whole system and makeup. So we're going to keep going with that next time tomorrow but until then just remember obviously that the best way to open a thousand doors for you is to concentrate on opening doors for others this has been the with joey b podcast we'll see you again tomorrow